0: From today, the book of Obadiah, or the book that is Obadiah. If I can flip past Jonah, it should be all right. Hear the word of the Lord. The vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom, We have heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise and let us go against her for battle. See, I will make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. The pride of your heart has deceived you, you who live in the clefts of the rock and make your home on the heights, you who say to yourself, who can bring me down to the ground? Though you soar like the eagle and make your nest among the stars, from there I will bring you down, declares the Lord. If thieves came to you, if robbers in the night, oh, what a disaster awaits you, would they not steal only as much as they wanted? If grape pickers came to you, would they not leave a few grapes? But how Esau will be ransacked, his hidden treasures pillaged. All your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive you and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you, but you will not detect it. In that day, declares the Lord, will I not destroy the wise men of Edom, men of understanding in the mountains of Esau? Your warriors, O Timon, will be terrified, and everyone in Esau's mountains will be cut down in the slaughter. Because of the violence against your brother Jacob. You will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. On the day you stood aloof while strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. You should not look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune, nor rejoice over the people of Judah in the day of their destruction nor boast so much in the day of their trouble. You should not march through the gates of my people in the day of their disaster, nor look down on them in their calamity in the day of their disaster, nor seize their wealth in the day of their disaster. You should not wait at the crossroads to cut down their fugitives, nor hand over their survivors in the day of their trouble. The day of the Lord is near for all nations, As you have done, it will be done to you. Your deeds will return upon your own head. Just as you drank on my holy hill, so all the nations will drink continually. They will drink and drink and be as if they never had been. But on Mount Zion will be deliverance. It will be holy. And the house of Jacob will possess its inheritance. The house of Jacob will be a fire. And the house of Joseph a flame. The house of Esau will be stubble and they will set it on fire and consume it. There will be no survivors from the house of Esau. The Lord has spoken. People from the Negev will occupy the mountains of Esau and people from the foothills will possess the land of the Philistine. They will occupy the fields of Ephraim and Samaria and Benjamin will possess Gilead. And this company of Israelite exiles who are in Canaan will possess the land as far as Zarephath. The exiles from Jerusalem who are in Sepharad will possess the towns of the Negev. Deliverers will go up on Mount Zion to govern the mountains of Esau, and the kingdom will be the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. In your bulletin every week, in the prayer page, which is on the back, there is always a reference to the persecuted church. I'm just going to read from there. This is Saudi Arabia, arrests of 53 Ethiopian Christians at private worship. While attending a worship service in the private rented home of a fellow believer, 53 Ethiopian Christians were arrested by Saudi authorities in Dammam, the capital of the country's eastern province. The incident, which took place at about 10 a.m. on February the 8th, 2013, so about a week and a half ago, included the arrests of three church leaders. During a hearing in an Islamic court, authorities alleged that the leaders were converting Muslims to Christianity. In an annual 2012 report published recently by the U.S. Commission on International Religious Freedom, is the following statement, statement which accurately summarizes the country's overall situation. "Quote: The Saudi government persists in banning all forms of public religious expression, other than that of the government's own interpretation of one school of Sunni Islam. Prohibits churches." synagogues, temples, and other non-Muslim places of worship uses uses its schools and posts online state textbooks that continue to espouse intolerance and incite violence. This is a nation whose state policy is anti any religion other than the specific brand of their own. And Specifically also against, obviously, Christianity. And Christians are persecuted there. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but the most persecuted people group on the planet today is Christian. Last week in the message, I talked some about judgment. God's judgment against either those nations or those cultures that were so far gone morally that there is no way to prevent the perpetuation of evil except to destroy. And when we think of judgment in connection with God, that's the image, that's the picture that we have in our mind, the wrath of God unleashed. But in the Bible, as with us, judgment has two sides, of which judgment against is one side, and judgment for is another side. Because judgment really is the right exercise of of justice, and a case in court will always have a judgment against someone, which is, by necessity, a judgment in favor of or for someone. We think of the day of judgment with a certain dread, like the worst possible final exam, where... Your life or death hangs in the balance. And we know, I think, as Christians, that will be okay. But we think about that day as, I just wish it was over, and we'll emerge out the other side with a passing grade. But in the Bible, you will often see people desiring or looking forward to the judgment of God. Psalm 67, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations of the earth. And those of you who have equity need to think about that. Mm. You know, property, houses. Psalm 96. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord for he comes for he comes to judge the earth. Judgment was a good thing. It was the setting right of everything that was wrong. Today we're beginning a five-week sermon series uh, looking at the one-chapter books of the Bible. Obadiah is the only one in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament we'll come across Philemon and the second and third letters of John and then the book of Jude as well. And in in this little book of Obadiah, we see God's judgment against Edom and for his own people. Or if we can put it a little more broadly, when God's sovereign justice sets things right, those who set themselves over and against God and his people will be brought down. And God's people vindicated and raised up. That's what Obadiah is about. And just might be worth mentioning at this point that we're going to pause this series on March the 3rd when uh, somebody from the International Justice Mission will be here. They're a global ministry that actively seeks justice for especially exploited children or modern-day slave laborers or um, girls, women held captive in the sex trade. And that is something that we churches in the Western world really need to have our eyes open to. So come on March the 3rd and hear about that. Uh, Back to Obadiah. This little book begins with the words, the vision of Obadiah, thus says the Lord God concerning Edom. So a few things right at the beginning. First, we don't know who Obadiah was. Okay, no information given here. Secondly, even though it is the vision of Obadiah, we read right away, thus says the Lord God. Obadiah, the prophet, is the one through whom the message comes, but it is the Lord who speaks this prophecy. Okay, the words spoken by the prophets were always the word of God. This isn't me, Obadiah. This is what the Lord says. Then also a little bit about who or what is Edom. Edom. Edom's history begins in Genesis. Abraham had a son named Isaac. Isaac's wife, Rebekah, had twin sons named Esau and Jacob. When she she was pregnant with her twins, God said to Rebekah, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. One shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger." And the first baby born was very red and somewhat hairy. This was Esau. And as the firstborn of the two twins, the firstborn son to Isaac, all the rights of the firstborn were with him. It's called his birthright. And that included a double portion of his father's inheritance. On one occasion, Esau, who was starving hungry after a long day hunting, begged for some red stew that Jacob had been making. And Jacob would not give it to him unless Esau surrendered to Jacob the birthright, the status as firstborn son. And Esau, so hungry, didn't care, said, F- you can have the birthright. I'll swear it over to you. I need food. And so the birthright was passed to Jacob. And Esau then took, uh, was given the nickname Edom, which means red for the red stew that Jacob had given him, and maybe also in irony, looking back to the fact that he had been born very red himself. So Esau's family, like Jacob's family, prospered, and the area in which Edom's family came to live was called Edom, and his descendants were the Edomites. Several centuries later, the Israelites were coming to Canaan after leaving Egypt, and they wanted to pass. South of the Dead Sea and cross the River Jordan from the east. And to do so, they would have had to pass through Edom. If you have maps at the back of your Bibles, um, flip back to them. Hope you do that sometimes. You should have a map in there that says the conquest of Canaan or the 12 tribes of Israel or something like that. On the bottom right of that map, you should see the land of Edom, southeast of the Dead Sea. Israel's hope was to pass through Edom and cross the Jordan River from the east. Numbers 20, when Moses sent a delegation to the king of Edom and said, essentially, let your brother Israel pass through your land. We won't touch anything, We won't drink your water. Just let us walk through. Edom not only refused passage, but sent an army to protect their border. And Israel then had to go a long way. The relationship between Edom and Israel was pretty rocky after that. Various times, Israel's kings conquered and ruled over Edom. Sometimes Edom rebelled and gained independence. On occasion, Edom had the upper hand. So by Obadiah's time, there was a lot of history between these two nations. The land of Edom had lots of rocky hills, and by putting a few fortresses on them, their land was relatively easy to defend. And what the Lord says today in Obadiah concerns Edom. God will bring Edom down and he will use the nations to accomplish it. God has called the nations, verse 2, to do battle against Edom. Those nations that Edom had actually considered its allies, verse 7, but those allies had deceived them. Edom had sided with the winners But now those winners were going to conquer and destroy Edom as well, which happened about 30 years later. Just another conquest in the building of Babylonia's empire. Edom was going to become a nobody. They thought they had security high up in their mountain fortresses. In their pride, they said, who will bring me down to the ground? We're the king of the castle. You're the dirty rascal. But their pride deceived them. Pride always deceives. We believe things about ourselves that just aren't true, what pride does to us. Proverbs 16, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. James chapter 4, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Who will bring me down to the ground? I will bring you down, says the Lord, verse 4. And not only will the Lord bring Edom down, it will be an absolute bringing down. Verse 5, God uses the metaphor of a house. When a thief breaks into a house at night to rob it, they just take what they want and clear out. They don't take everything, beds, clothes, a dishwasher. It gets left behind. Not so with Edom. And the metaphor of a vineyard. When the harvesters gather the grapes, they can't possibly take every single grape, but not so with Eden. How you have been destroyed, verse 5. How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out, verse 6. Everything is taken, nothing left in Edom. They're utterly crushed. And though not every person in Edom is utterly annihilated, Edom will never again be a nation. They are never again going to be a factor on the world stage. So why does God judge Edom so devastatingly? Verses 10 and 11. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. On the day you stood aloof, on the day that strangers carried off his wealth and foreigners entered his gates and cast lots for Jerusalem, you were like one of them. What day? 587 BC, the Babylonians came to Jerusalem, burned it and burned its temple to the ground, carried off most of its inhabitants into exile, And that, we read from the other prophets, was God's judgment on Judah for their consistent rebellion and apostasy and unbelief. So by the time Babylonia had come, Judah had already been a weakened nation for a long time, but the territory of Edom had expanded around the Dead Sea and encroached on the land of Judah. So when Babylonia was doing its thing on Edom's traditional enemies, Edom was close enough to observe and to participate in what was going on. They looted the temple. They handed whatever fleeing Jews they caught over to the Babylonians. And through it all, they gloated over the destruction of their neighbors and then afterward looted Jerusalem of anything that may have escaped the Babylonians. This is the sin for which God's judgment will fall without mercy on the Edomites. And Obadiah then pronounces a series of eight do not statements. Verses 12 to 14. of distress, And then, like Charles Dickens' ghost of Christmas past, Obadiah takes the Edomites back in time to witness again the destruction of Jerusalem. There you are, looting the temple. Don't do that. There you are, handing over the survivors to the Babylons. Don't do that. See yourself gloating over the destruction of Jerusalem? Don't do that. Don't go down that road. But they had gone down that road. And God's judgment will fall. But it will not only fall on Edom. God will also judge the nation. Those nations with whom Edom had once allied herself and were now going to destroy her, they would also be judged. Babylonia, And all who have set themselves against God's people, and therefore against God himself, would be judged. You mess with my family, you mess with me, God says. That has not changed, by the way. God will judge those who set themselves against God and his people. Let his people rejoice, for God comes to judge the world. Verse 15, for the day of the Lord is near upon all nations, as you have done, so it shall be done to you. Your deeds shall return on your own hand. Babylonia as you have conquered other nations, so you shall be conquered. Edom as you have pillaged and mocked Jerusalem in the day of her calamity, so shall you be pillaged, and your day of calamity will also come. You nations who persecute my people, you will be judged by me, and so shall I set myself against you. Verse 16, for as you have drunk on my holy mountain, Jerusalem was set on a high hill with the temple at its summit, so all the nations shall drink continuously. They shall drink and swallow and be as though they had never been the book of Lamentations, which is the expression of bitter mourning after Jerusalem's destruction, which Edom had played a role. Lamentation also says, rejoice and be glad, O daughter of Edom. Laugh now. Enjoy it now. You who dwell in the land of Us, but to you also the cup shall pass. You shall become drunk and strip yourself bare. There's a play on words here going on. As you have drunk, so shall the nations drink. Jeremiah 25 says, thus says the Lord God of Israel to me, Jeremiah, take from my hand this cup of the wine of wrath and make all the nations to whom I send you drink it. They shall drink and stagger and be crazed because of the sword that I'm sending among them. So I took the cup from the Lord's hand and made all the nations to whom the Lord sent me drink it. And then there's a list of those nations. In God's word to Jeremiah, then you shall say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, drink, be drunk and vomit. Rise, fall and rise no more because of the sword that I am sending among you. And if they refuse to accept the cup from your hand to drink, then you shall say to them, Thus said the Lord of hosts, you must drink. For behold, I begin to work disaster at the city that is called by my name. And shall you go unpunished? You shall not go unpunished. For I am summoning a sword against all the inhabitants of the earth, declares the Lord of hosts. And then in Revelation chapter 14, we read, As Edom and Babylonia have literally drunk on the the Temple Mount in Jerusalem, so they will drink the cup of God's wrath and they will collapse under that judgment. The book of Obadiah ends with a promise that God will restore his people. After God's judgment of Jerusalem, there will be a remnant who escaped destruction at his hands and are brought back to the land that God had given to them, including those lands that had been occupied by the neighboring nations for so long. And as so often happens in the Old Testament, prophecy concerning the immediate future merges into a further fulfillment in the more distant future. For example, Isaiah chapter 7. Isaiah's immediate promise of a baby named Emmanuel born to a young woman And Matthew sees a fuller picture in the birth of Jesus. Prophecy is like that. Here, too, in Obadiah, there is both an immediate fulfillment and a greater, fuller fulfillment. Verse 17. But in Mount Zion, there shall be those who escape, which there were, because being exiled, there were many survivors and it shall be holy, and the house of Jacob will possess their own possessions. And this happened in 530 B.C., a number of the exiles returned and established themselves again in the land. Verses 18 to 20 is a description of the expansion of the house of Jacob after the exile. Edom has encroached on the land in the Jews' absence. Now the Jews will... Own that land again. Now the land would be the Jews. The territories that had once been under Israelite dominion would be again northward into Ephraim and Samaria, the immediate surrounding area, even as far north as the Sea of Galilee, where they would live even up to Jesus' time, 500 years later. But look how the prophecy ends in verse 21. Deliverers, literally saviors, shall go up to Mount Zion to rule Mount Esau, and the kingdom shall be the Lord. This is a rapid forward movement in time. In this verse, the future blurs by until there is a full stop, and then even at that stopping point, one can catch a glimpse of what is yet to come. After the exiles' return, there was not a Jewish kingdom, and nor would there be. There would be deliverers, there would be saviors who would go up to Mount Zion. After the exile, for example, Zerubbabel the governor and Joshua the priest and the prophets Haggai and Zechariah would pull the people back to the worship of God and they would rebuild the temple. But 40 years after that, Esther, who was the queen of the empire, would save the lives of all the Jews in her empire, including those in Jerusalem. After a few decades then, Nehemiah would come to Jerusalem and deliver the people from her hostile neighbors as they shored up the wall and the defenses of the city. A couple centuries after that, the Maccabee family would revenge the desecration of the temple. And inaugurate a brief period of Jewish freedom, but never would there be a kingdom. Never a kingdom. Until one day, about 600 years after Obadiah, a man entered the temple, pronounced judgment on the temple, which was by now perpetuating a kind of a godless religion, God's name attached, but no real worship. With this man, suddenly, finally, there was a kingdom. This man proclaimed a new kind of kingdom, the kingdom of God. This man, it was declared before his birth, would reign over the house of Jacob forever. It's Jesus, of course. This temple, Jesus said, you can destroy, but I will raise it up in three days. The gospels tell us that The temple was Jesus himself. He was the place where people would come and meet God. He is the center of worship. And his body they did, in fact, destroy. And his body, in fact, was raised after three days. And in their destruction of his body, in which, incidentally, King Herod of Edomite or Edomian descent was complicit, in the destruction of his body on the cross, Jesus, as we said earlier, was receiving on himself the judgment which God pronounces against those who in their pride set themselves against him. Who is that? Bible calls them sinners and it includes all of humanity and you and me. And all who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone who in one way or another, at one time or another, has said, I am my own king. My will for my life trumps yours. I am above and who can bring me down? This is pride and it deceives. But know this. All who set themselves against God will be brought down. He will judge against those who reject his lordship, lordship which by any definition is right. It is his right to be lord by virtue of his creating all things. It is right and good that he be lord. But here's the gospel. Everyone deserves to be utterly crushed, to be completely destroyed for the heinousness of our crimes against divinity We deserve to be destroyed by God's wrath with the full strength of his anger. But Jesus, in our place, went to the cross and his suffering was more than the pain of his physical death. Don't underestimate the horror of the suffering of his soul. Just the night before, knowing better than anyone the nature of the wrath of God against the sin of the world, even Jesus recoiled from it and said, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. But then he also said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Without pride, he humbled himself under God, his father, and at the end of the day was not brought down, but was raised up. And the beautiful thing is that those who humble themselves under his lordship, who humbly understand both their sin and the price that Jesus paid to save us from God's judgment, God raises up with Christ? We become sharers in God's kingdom. They, by faith in Christ, we, I hope all of us, are the new house of Jacob, not the Jewish nation but all nation, book of Revelation. You, Jesus, were slain, and by your blood you purchased people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. Jesus would and does reign from Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, but we are somehow participants in that reign, And from Mount Zion, Jerusalem, God's kingdom would go forth to possess the nations. From Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then beyond to the ends of the earth, until all the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ, and he shall reign over and with the new people of God, and he shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11 there is coming an inevitable day when the absolute rule of Christ will triumph over all evil, all pride, all oppression, and God's people can take courage that his judgment against evil will be a judgment for them, those who will be vindicated for their trusting of him. John Piper has said about the book of Obadiah, God is still the righteous master of the universe. Wrongs will be righted through judgment, and the judge of all the earth shall rule openly someday with all his people in safety forever. So I don't know if you've ever read Obadiah before for its own sake, and not just as a necessary part of your through the Bible in a year plan. But you might look at a book like this and say, why does this matter? Okay, Edom will be judged for events in Jerusalem 600 years before Jesus. Points to a kingdom inaugurated 2,000 years ago. It culminates at the end of history. But today is February 17. I have to go to school tomorrow. I have a basketball game this week. I got to go to work. Gotta drive the kids all over, buy groceries. Why Obadiah? The word, the world in which you work and go to school, raise children, the world in which you live, is set against God and his people. Let's not kid ourselves. To be a committed follower of Jesus Christ means that your values will constantly bump up against the world's values. There are industries and institutions, corporations and power brokers and everyday people who are unwaveringly standing against God and against his ways. They're facing a direction that we just don't want to go. But the whole force of culture wants to take us with us in that same direction. Seek yourself first. It's better to have people like you than to do the right thing. Appearance matters more than character better to cave in a little than to rock the boat. It's hard. And as you look around, it is easy to believe that the culture is winning, that it is above, and who can bring it down? Have courage. For God will come and judge. He will bring justice. He will set things right. And for those who, in their lack of pride, say, God is Lord and I am not there will be a raising up. And a world that says, I am up and who can bring me down will fall and will lay in utter defeat before the perfect judgment of God. We live in a world in which we come face to face with violence, depression, disease, tears, death, we live in a world where the devil and his angels appearing as an angel of light continually says, you're not happy, and you won't be until you get what they have. So go get it. Have courage, for God will come to judge no more mourning, death, or crying, or pain, but every tear wiped from, white from our eyes. There is coming a day which is death's final day. We live in a world in which history is written by the winners. Might makes right. Power is wielded by a few, while hundreds of millions starve or die for lack of water or are helpless victims of the wars going on around them. Christians are jailed, ostracized, or killed by those who, with full intent, set themselves against God and his people. What a world we live in! It's hard. But God will judge. The powerful will kneel before the one with greater power. Maybe some in repentance, but most in rebellion and in terror. The proud will be humbled, even to the dust. And the humble will be raised up. And you who have looked to Jesus' death, and not to your own proud achievement, look to Jesus' death for mercy before God, will find on that day that you have received infinitely more mercy than you even knew was possible and more than you knew was needed. Those with their eyes set on themselves and on the pride and power of this world will drink the cup of the fury of God's wrath. Your cup has already been taken and drunk by Jesus and you are free. God has accomplished the great reversal. And that's why a message like Obadiah matters today. It gives courage to stand. gives courage to do what is right and to continue to look at him who is right. Justice will carry the day. Justice will see you exalted. Justice will vindicate those who today are looked down on with contempt. Those who are hated, those who are killed. Jesus said, Matthew 5, blessed are you when others revile and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil falsely against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. I'm going to close with this prayer, which are the words of Revelation chapter 11, verse 17. Let's pray. We give thanks to you, Lord God Almighty, who is and who was, for you have taken your great power and begun to reign The nations raged, but your wrath has come and the time for the dead to be judged and for rewarding your servants, the prophets and saints, and those who fear your name, both small and great, and for destroying the destroyers of the earth. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.